Hey fellow NDE fans, we have some exciting things coming up on the other side, but we could really use your help and support to keep going with this channel. Our outreach team works around the clock, making sure to bring you the best NDE stories that we can find. But now we're looking to expand into other countries to get near-death experiences from around the globe. However, we need your help and support to make this happen. This is why we're introducing our YouTube membership program. Get access to exclusive ad-free episodes that haven't been on YouTube. Watch and participate in live Q&As with the guests. Engage directly with us and NDEers. Participate in giveaways and live events. And most importantly, you will ensure our channel's continuous efforts to seek out and uncover these important experiences worldwide. Support us by hitting the Join Now button below. Thank you for your continued viewership and support. Your help will make a difference, and we look forward to building our community together with you. Hello, and welcome to our podcast, The Other Side NDE, where we talk about the fascinating phenomena of near-death experiences. These are more than just close calls. These are first-hand accounts of what people experienced dying, leaving the body, exploring another realm, and then returning to their body in order to share that experience with you. Every person that we interview, and many of us listeners, believe these accounts to be undeniably true experiences people had on the other side. If you enjoy listening to stories like these, make sure to check out our YouTube channel, The Other Side NDE, where we post two to three videos every week of people sharing their NDE stories. Hey there, audience. How you doing? My name is Brandon Densmore, and back in 2014, I had a near-death experience. So I'm going to give you a little bit of the backstory so you can understand what happened. When I was eight years old, I was sexually molested by a babysitter and it was a traumatic experience, obviously, which kind of shook me to my core as a child. And I think that that was kind of like the beginning of this journey for me leading up to this near-death experience. But being sexually molested at eight years old, it affected my self-esteem, my self-image, how I felt about myself, and I doubted myself, and it kind of really was the first crack in the armor, so to speak. Before that, I was just an innocent child, and self-doubt, self-confidence issues were never a problem. But being eight years old, sexually molested, and then going to school, I was made fun of by kids, which further eroded my self-esteem, and I hated school and I hated being there and I was made fun of by a lot of kids. So when I was 14 years old, I was diagnosed with Crohn's disease and sacroiliac spondylitis, which is basically arthritis of the low spine. So at age 14 or 15, I was put on pain medication and they were opiate pain medications. And over time, I started getting dependent on these medications and if I didn't have them, I would start going into withdrawals. And then I had two NDEs. The first NDE I had was when I was 21 years old. And I was actually in a fight with another young man who unbeknownst to me, he had a black belt and I was intoxicated. So he kicked me in the head with steel-toed boots. And during this NDE, I didn't have any consciousness. It was just total blackness or even an absence of blackness. You can say nothingness, but that doesn't adequately describe it because when do we experience nothingness, right? It was just a total blackout, just 
zilch, zero. And you might say that it was, I went to school later, but I'll get to that, that it was, I realized the possibility of my own non-existence. And this was when I was 21 and I was kicked three times in the face with steel-toed boots, had some permanent nerve damage, almost died at that point. The doctor said that if he had put three more pounds of pressure behind the last kick, that his boot would have gone directly into my brain and I would be no more. So I started questioning everything at that point at age 21. What I didn't mention before is that I dropped out in the ninth grade. So again, I hated school. I was bullied. I was actually raised in an alternative religion. So that kind of made me stand out as different. And I got picked on really bad. So dropped out in ninth grade, worked some jobs. Then I got into that fight and I started questioning things at that point. Like, who am I? Where am I going? What is happening in life? At that point, discovered that I had a passion for learning. So I ended up going back to school, to high school to get my GED. And from there, I went to a community college where I got an associate's degree. And through that community college experience, um, I went into a program called Exploring Transfer. And it's a program administered through the community colleges to show community college students what it's like to go to a four-year Ivy League institution. So this was back in 2008. I went to Vassar College for a summer and I was studying there. I took two full courses um, during that summer period ended up getting a 4.0. I worked, worked, worked and aced both courses and then applied to Vassar where I received a full scholarship. And I went there and graduated with a philosophy degree, four year bachelor's philosophy degree. But what people didn't know during while all this was happening, this educational journey, I had that near death experience, then I had this educational journey. But that whole time I was addicted to opiates. And I was in this really nasty pattern of taking too much of the medication. And then I would run out and I would be in withdrawals and freaking out. And I'd need to either get some from a dealer or from a friend or try to doc talk the doctor into increasing my dose. But this went on for years and years and years. When I was at Vassar, I was studying philosophy and um, ended up having a back surgery. I had a decompression of my L4 and L5 vertebra that were ruptured. And they actually went in and cut it open and fixed that. But again, that increased my pain. And another reason I was taking more of the opiates was not only because I was in pain, because I had sacroiliac spondylitis and Crohn's disease. I was taking it because, taking more than prescribed because it helped my emotions. It helped me not feel like an outsider, an outcast. It helped me deal with my self-confidence issues and my fears and my resentments toward people, different things that have helped me in my past. But so I was in this really nasty cycle. And then when I had that surgery at Vassar, I was introduced to heroin. So started doing some heroin here and there and it just progressed and it progressed. So after graduation, from Vassar, I'm, it's 2014 and I'm in my mother's apartment 
and I am going through withdrawals. So I was on a, a prescription called methadone. And I don't know how many of you know what this prescription is, but it's for people who it's a really strong narcotic painkiller and they give it to heroin addicts who are coming off heroin. But I just had this prescribed to me for pain. But anyways, I didn't have that med for a while and I was sick and the agitation, the uncomfortability, the the moving around in my seat, the restlessness, um, every little problem in my life was like a huge problem, like blown way out of proportion. And all of my self-confidence issues were just screaming in my mind, like, you're no good. Like something would happen. Somebody would give me a different, uh, dirty look. And I would think that maybe I'm not good looking or there's something wrong with me. And I felt that at a really deep level. So the agitation and the anxiety just were mind boggling coming off this medication, not having it in withdrawals. So I'm in my mother's apartment. I'm waiting, waiting and waiting for my contact to show up to bring me some heroin. And I don't know if he's going to show up and is he coming? Is he not? Am I going to have to be awake for another few hours here without anything? And my mind is just turning and turning and turning. I have memories of the past that really bother me. And finally, there's a knock at the door. Who is it? Uh, is it him? Yes, it's him. He's my contact. He's here. He brings me the heroin. And finally, the nightmare is over. Finally, it's here and I don't have to suffer like this anymore. It had been days. And so I break out some of the heroin and do some heroin. Oh, sigh of relief. Finally, the nightmare is over. Finally, I can just settle down and collect my thoughts and think clearly. But that didn't last long because I was passing away and I had overdosed. I don't know if they put fentanyl in the heroin that are doing that. People are dying from that because it's this super powerful narcotic that they're mixing in with the heroin and people just die like that. I don't know if it was that. I don't know if it was just strong drug, a strong mix of heroin or whatever, but I had did it and I was dying. And all of a sudden I found myself outside of my body and I was standing beside myself, looking down at my body. And I was thinking, what is the point of my life? Like here I am on the couch and I'm looking at myself and what was the point of my life? And then all of a sudden I felt this presence and I didn't see anything. I didn't see a spirit. I didn't see a person. I just felt that someone else was there or something else was there with me in the room. So what happened was all of a sudden I'm outside of my body. I'm looking at myself. There's a presence and then I'm shown two things. I'm shown all of the people that were affected by my death, all of my friends, my family, all of the different people who were grieving and 
the conversations that were had about my passing. And then what stuck with me, and I have a really powerful memory of this, is my mother coming into the apartment and finding my dead body on her couch. And I was just a corpse, like discolored. And I had like some pus running down my chin, some pus and I, I was dead, lifeless body. And I remember my mother, her face, the look on her face was <sighs> like that. My baby, my little darling boy. Finding my dead body. And I felt her emotion. Here she was, she found my body. It was a lifeless corpse. There was drool running down my chin and I was her baby and she had raised me. She had all of these tender memories of raising me as a child and a baby, and now she had found me dead. I was also shown what you might call the future. I don't know if it was a holodeck, like from Star Trek. I don't know how many people out there have seen Star Trek The Next Generation, but like a holodeck, like everything around me changed and um, I don't know if it was a vision of the actual future that I'm living in now, or if it was an alternate reality, but I was shown all of these people who I would never meet because I was dead. I was shown the different people that I would never meet, that I would never help, that all of the joyful experiences that I would never have. and. It was like crushing me. It was crushing me. And then everything changed again. And I was back in the room standing next to my body. And I started just begging, please, please. I can't let this happen. This cannot happen. There has to be a way out of this. I will do anything. And I heard a voice. And it was not like a booming thunderous voice. Like you would think like God speaking or something. It was just a matter of fact, simple voice that said, now your life is over and you wasted it. And that's when I just got really scared and was just begging, please just give me another chance. I'll do anything to overcome this addiction. I will do anything that's necessary in order to avert this thing that I've been shown. And then just like that, I was back in my body and uh, gasping for breath. After that, I went into a seven day detox where I had to learn how to tie my shoelaces again. It was that bad. My brain was just so dependent on the substance that I had to learn basically everything all over again. And it was very difficult. But now I am doing really well. This is back in 2014. Back then I had nothing. I've gone through a spiritual refinement process where I have been able to go within myself and to rid myself of self defeating thinking like limiting beliefs about myself, caring what other people think about me, resentments from the past of different people, my fears. And all of that, I went through a process 
and I've been able to kind of flush all of that out of my system. And I went from having nothing, faults, friends, no money in the bank, full of resentment, fear, self-doubt, to being a confident person. I have my own business now. And as a spiritual coach and business consultant, I married a wonderful woman. I bought my own house. I have a garden, like just so much more enjoyment and fulfillment in life after this. Three months ago, I've had a baby. Uh, his name's Daniel. He's the love of my life. And it's like happily ever after. But I mean, it's not like things don't happen that bother me nowadays, but it's just a lot more relaxation, a lot more being comfortable in my own skin, a lot of joy and a lot of peace. So that's my story.